Thank you, Ashley and Eric. Well, Matt, too. But, yeah. <laughs> but I know, uh, I know people love being up front, so thanks for letting God uh, encourage us through you. Good morning, church family. I know I was already up here. My name's Derek, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, glad to be with you, and we'll get into God's Word here in a minute. Um, before we start, I just had a couple of... Uh, uh, personal comments that, I, that I've been percolating on here in the last day or so. And so I uh, wanted to share that with you. wanted to see how God is at work in your lives and um, what he wants to do with this. But uh, life has a way, doesn't it? Life has a way of a lot of different things. Life has a way of uh, some excitement and some joy and some hopeful events, Right? And life has a way also of bringing news or challenges or difficulties that we're not sure what to do with at times. And um, I, was just, I was just asking God to help me and my family, but also all of us, you know, what do we do then with all that? What do we do with it when, you know, for us in the last, just in the last 10 days, I've had a chance to experience, you know, an event, just a ton of joy, a family celebration, a family gathering, um, Lots of uh, things to celebrate and enjoy together and be part of uh, and, and be excited about how God's at work in that. And in the same period of days, we've been as a family wrestling with some news that was really difficult to absorb and, and will have uh, implications for weeks and months and years to come um, of the way that life and, and life on this side of eternity is broken and things don't go the way we would pick. You with me so far? So life has a way, and, I, and here's where I'm going with that, is just, I just was going to, um, I'm asking God to help me have those things give me a perspective, uh, a, a better perspective, a perspective of Him at work. I would love for, uh, instead of those things causing me to go inward, and co- instead of causing me to focus on myself and what I prefer and what would be convenient for me, um, May God give us a perspective of what he is up to. May we, uh, as, as we journey life's difficulties and ups and downs, I, I pray that they would show us um, where we need to focus and where we can let some stuff go. Some things that we think are so important and crucial to what is going on that we fight for and cling to and want to argue about and we discover in the significant moments of life that they're really not that important. You with me? So I just pray that God would use the ups and downs of our lives to give us a perspective of what to focus on, what to let go, what matters, what really matters, who really matters, and, and, and what doesn't, uh, and what do we live for? What is God, what, what is this all about, this earthly journey on this side of eternity before uh, meeting him and looking him at the eyes, what do we live for? And what really matters? I pray that God would use our lives and, and our challenges and our joys to show us the things that matter and give us a perspective of what he's up to. Speaking of things that matter, you may have heard it said just occasionally around here that the gospel is the spectacular good news, that God rescues sinners like you and I through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that left to our own, we are doomed. Left to our own, we are, we are sinners who rebel against God and go our own way. And the spectacular news of the gospel is that God made a way to rescue us sinners, to put us back in relationship with him, to forgive sin, to make us right with God, to put us back in that relationship with God. 
and that's through Jesus. And, and we receive God's free gift of salvation, not by trying hard or earning or matching up or hoping we can earn enough brownie points with God that he'll let us in someday. No, the gospel is the spectacular news that while we are doomed, Jesus entered our world to rescue us from sin and death, that, that he lived the life we cannot live, he died the death we deserve, and he was raised again to new life. And we receive God's free gift of salvation, not by our own efforts, but by putting our trust in Jesus. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done. We look to the cross and we are reminded of Jesus's work for us that makes it possible to know God. And so we, we, we remind ourselves of that all the time. May it never get old, right? I know you've heard me say it over and over. I've heard, I know you've seen that slide on the screen a million times, but may it never get old. And then as we absorb that glorious good news of what God has done for us through Jesus, what difference does it make? What does it cause us to do? How do our lives, uh, what do our lives look like as a result? How does God's good news impact our lives? Not, not, to, not how do we respond because we have to earn now, or not, not how do we respond to that good news because we somehow are obligated and now owe God something for all that he's done for us, but how do we respond? How do our lives look because of what Jesus has done? What, are, what does it look like to live out the ways of Jesus? How is our obedience to the Bible and to what God says, how, how do we make sure that, that uh, our obedience is, is an act of worship, is, is, not, is not obeying for ourselves and getting something out of it or puffing ourselves up, but we obey to worship God out of thankfulness for all that he's done. So this morning, and we get into the text of the Bible that we're going to look at this morning, uh, we're going to be reminded there's lots of ways to express our faith. Hopefully, right as I say that, maybe some come to your mind. What are, what are some ways to express your faith as you follow Jesus? What are things that we do in response to God's good work in our lives? Well, we can think of ways to express our life, our faith, and our passage is going to get to that, and we're going to think about these things this morning. Giving to the needy is a, is a way to express our faith. Praying is a way to express our faith. Fasting Reading God's word. We can think of lots of ways that we can express our faith. Now listen to this. There are also ways that we can express our faith in a hypocritical way. You know what some of those ways are? By giving to the needy. By praying. By fasting. By reading our Bibles are some ways that we can express our faith in a hypocritical way. Wait, what? Wait, what? What gives, Derek? You just listed the same things. I thought it was sounding pretty good, and then now it said hypocritical. So what, what gives? Grab your Bible if you haven't already. Open with me to ch Matthew chapter 6. We're in the New Testament, the back part of your Bible. You'll find the Gospels that tell the story of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're at the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. Open your Bible to Matthew 6, or get out your device and open your Bible app to chapter 6. And as you go there, I want to remind you a couple things. First of all, we have been in a series of messages we called Kingdom Life, but we took a little break. September, October, November, we were teaching this Kingdom Life series through 
Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7, which is a period of, of uh, a portion of Scripture that is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Some of Jesus' most famous teaching is found in Matthews 5, chapters 5, 6, and 7. We spent September, October, November in chapter 5. That's not as bad as it sounds. We took a break for Christmas, and now we're back uh, in the Kingdom Life series, back in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6. And so um, before we go to God's Word, uh, join me in prayer again. Father, as always, when we open your Word, we need you to be our teacher. Thank you, that you for the gift of, of Scripture, of this Bible in our hands. Thank you for the gift that as followers of Jesus, you have given us your Spirit to live within us, to help us to hear and understand what you are teaching us. So God, as we open up the scripture this morning, as we look at Matthew chapter 6, and as we resume our study of the Sermon on the Mount, may we hear from you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So a minute ago I said, you know, what are some ways we can express our faith? And we said, uh, we, we said giving to the needy, praying, fasting. And then I said, but, but what are some ways we can express our faith in a hypocritical way. Well, giving to the needy, praying, fasting. Well, what gives? What, it's, it, here's what gives. It's that our heart posture matters. That the way we go about our actions, the way, we, the, way, the way we're thinking about our outward actions, when we go to obey God, it, yes, it matters what we do, that we are obeying him, but it also matters what our posture is, what our heart posture is, what our motives are. Or in, the case, in this particular case, what matters is who do we want to be seen by? Who, who, who's our intended audience? Who are we trying to impress? And the passage says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. So probably not there's probably times when it is appropriate. There are times that we live out our faith in front of others, that we obey God and that other people see it. And so it's not that that's entirely impossible or, or forbidden. Uh, there's probably times when that's plenty appropriate, that we live out our faith in front of others and, and as we model it for each other or as we show each other how to follow and live for Jesus. But, but it's what's going on in the heart, Right? It's who am I doing that for? Am I doing this to draw attention to myself? And if that's the case, the scripture there is pretty clear. There is no reward from God. If we're puffing ourselves up, if we're showing off with our obedience. Let's keep going. Verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. This is an interesting form of hypocrisy. So there's the, the form of hypocrisy that's going on in this passage is doing uh, the right things for wrong reasons. Right? It, it, right? These are actually, it, giving to the needy in this case is a good thing. 
And, and yet Jesus is not impressed when he checks the heart and it's being done to impress others. So even, even good things can become idols. Even good things can become obstacles to honoring God with how we live and the things we do and the things that we say. Even good things done with bad motives leads us to hypocrisy. Verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So, I mean, it's a fun picture, right? But it's not, we don't have to go literally here. Do not, know, do not let uh, your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your right hand is over here giving into the offering plate, giving to the needy, and I somehow need to make sure that my left hand is pinned behind my back so it does not know what's happening over here. Well, it's a great picture. So, so not literally. We know that in, in my life, and as I go about things, if God asks me to give to the needy, then, then it's not like I'm not going to know, right? But, but, it's, but it's let that be a picture to us of what God is wanting us to, to consider. And that's that we, when we give to the needy, when we meet the needs of, of the orphan, of the widow, of the foreigner, of the disenfranchised, of the poor, of the homeless, that God calls us to show his love to and meet the needs of, but we, we do so as we, and we maintain a low profile in doing it. Instead of the trumpet fanfare calling attention, like the passage says, to ourselves and look at me, look what I'm doing, look who I'm giving to, look how super cool and religious and, and, and earning brownie points with God I am. Instead of that, maintain a low profile, give with confidentiality. Verse 4 so verse 3 again, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. So again, it's, it's who's our audience, right? It's what's my heart posture in obeying God? What's my motive in, in responding in obedience to the scriptures that want me to give to the needy? Instead of clamoring for the applause and the approval of those around us, which, if, if we're honest, all of us do at times. We're sinful human beings who rebel against God, and we want our own way, and we want to build ourselves up, and we want to live in our kingdom of one that we've been talking about. we got no idea what kingdom life is. We have no idea how to live the life in Jesus' kingdom because we're too busy building up our own kingdom of one. And in the kingdom of one, I don't want to blow trumpets and let you know how Awesome I am for giving my money to the needy. But, but as we learn to live as citizens of Jesus' kingdom, instead of clamoring for the applause and the approval of humans, of people around us, we are to be satisfied with our standing before God, with, our, with, with God being the one whose seeing matters and whose approval matters. So is giving to the needy a good thing? Yes, does, does, would God have us use the resources he has blessed us with to care for the needy? Absolutely. So it's a good thing. It's something we ought to do. But the how we do it is important. And, and the heart posture we have and the motives that we have as we do it is important. 
We love others because God first loved us. I love that verse. We love because God first loved us. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we are experiencing this incredible love of God poured into our lives, namely through the cross, through what Jesus has done for us, is the ultimate demonstration of God's love for us. God loves us and it pours into our lives and it ought to overflow out of my life. We love others Faith Church, individual believers, we love other people because God first loved us. And it's like that with our generosity, with our use of our finances, our, 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 um, our, all that God has given us. We give to others because God has given so generously to us. All that we have is a gracious gift of God. And so as, as God provides for our needs, then we can be generous to others and be conduits of God's care to the people who need it. So as God's love overflows, uh, fills us up and overflows out of us, we love because God loved us. As, as God's generosity pours out to us and he calls us to generosity to those around us, where, where do we give our money? There's no shortage of good causes, are there? Anybody else just live through the month of December? There's no shortage of good causes, are there? That's the time of the month, that's the time of the year, I mean, December, when we hear about all the things, all the good causes, all the nonprofits, all the things that, all the people that could really benefit from our money and, and, and all that, that could be accomplished if we were able to give to these causes. There's no shortage of good causes. And so, um, what do we do with that? And what's God calling us to do? How do we, how can we give? Um, how can we give to the needy like our passage wants us to do? How can we give to those charities that are asking in December if, if we don't have any handle on our finances? If the money comes out or goes out as fast as it comes in, if we've got no clue or discipline or understanding about how to, how to handle our finances, then where do we respond? Then what ability uh, do we have to respond to the needs that God wants us to respond to? Uh, and how do we know what to give to if we don't know what God says about what to give to? Uh, so we've talked this morning about the specific text of Scripture that we just read. We've talked about the meaning of that specific text of Scripture. That's the text of Scripture that we found ourselves in this morning because we are teaching passage by passage through Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. We, God, in his timing, brought us to that passage that we just read and studied. So we've considered this morning what God had to say in that text. And now I want this, uh, to spend the rest of our time this morning considering uh, some other teaching that the Bible has related to money, related to our giving, related to uh, God's generosity to us, and his call then for us to be generous to others. God has a lot to say in here about that. And he's dictated this topic on this day of this, uh, in, this, uh, in this place. And so we want to we hear from God on that topic. And so I want to take us to some other places in Scripture to teach us some things. But I need you to hang with me. Everybody paying attention? Well, I know some of you are because some of you, your eyebrows are already raised and there's something going on inside of you that doesn't feel very good. And it's okay 
It's okay. It's because, unfortunately, this topic has become a sensitive topic. It's a very misunderstood topic when it comes to the church and talking about money. And so if there's a little bit of skeptical bubbling up inside of you, I want you to know it's okay. But I'm inviting you to hang with me, and I'm inviting you to hang with me as we hear from God on this topic. Um, so, you know, our, our times together on Sunday morning are to look into God's Word together and see what He says to us. And so this is a little different this morning, though. It's a little bit of sermon. It's a little bit of teaching God's Word. But it's also, honestly, a little bit of just family chat here. It's honestly a little bit of, hey, we are a church family. We are believers in Jesus. We are gathered together. There, there are things that He needs us to understand and help out together with. And so there's a little bit of family talk here, but it's all looking to the scriptures, looking to the Bible. Not what does Derek have to say on the topic, but what does God have to say? So are you good with that? Are we open to hearing from the Lord? Can we learn together from him on this topic? All right. Now here's the thing. When it comes to a church leader talking about money, it can't, it, I could say, oh, that's kind of awkward because it really benefits me. But you know what? I, I've said this. Oh, people, many of you have heard this from me already, especially in our membership classes. I, I'm not shy to talk about it. It's not church leaders that talk about money. It's not churches that desperately want your money. It's we talk about money when God talks about money. And that's what's happening this morning. We're hearing from God via his word. Um, I, I don't think the rap against churches that churches always talk about money or always want your money, I don't think that's fair or accurate. If you've been around this church, if, by the way, if this is your first time at Faith Church, welcome. <laughs> we talk about money every week. No, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a, it's a fair, uh, a, I think it's a misunderstanding. I don't think it's fair. I, I think we talk about it in the ways God talks about it. And we talk about it when his word brings it up. And, and I have more to say about that if you'll hang with me. And I think that if you hang with me and you hear from God's word this morning, I think you'll have a better understanding than when you started. I'm not shy to talk about it because we talk about it when God talks about it. And honestly, Jesus talked a lot about it. I don't have time to do it right now, but if we searched through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we looked at all the teaching of Jesus, you would be surprised how many of his parables those stories he used to teach had, the, had a, a, an example of using money. And much of Jesus' uh, teaching involves teaching about money. Uh, and, and here's why. Here's why. The Bible has a lot to say about money. Jesus had a lot to say about money. And almost every time he talks about money, uses money as an example, it's because how we handle our money is an indicator of our faith. It's, it's as we learn to trust God in every area of life. I mean, that's what the Christian life is. He saves us from sin and death. We are given new life because of Jesus. And now we are learning to live for him. And someday he'll return and set all things right. And we'll look him in the eye and our transformation will be complete. But between now and then, we are learning from him and learning to be more and more like him. And so... Jesus teaches about money a lot. It's because it's an indicator of our faith. As we learn to trust God in every area of life, one way we demonstrate growing faith, growing trust of trusting God in every area of life is as we trust him with our finances and how to handle our money. So here's the couple things I want to talk about in the next couple minutes. 
where do we give to? What does the Bible have to teach us about where we give our money? Who do we give our money to? What is that going to support? And then in a few minutes, the second thing I want to talk about is how we give. What, what should be true of our hearts? What should kind of shape the way we share our resources? Those are the two things. So first, where do we give our money to? Who do we give to? Um, look with me on the screen at Luke chapter 8. After this, Jesus traveled from one city and village to another. He spread the good news about God's kingdom. And the 12 apostles were with him. And also, some women were with him. And then it, right in between there, where I, where I put the dot, 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 he names, the gospel of Luke names several women in particular, and then says, and there were many more. And then it explains, they provided financial support for Jesus and his disciples. I think this is so incredible. The Son of God came down to earth to live among us and minister among us. And could he have caused a coin to come out in a fish's mouth? Could he have? Oh, he did. So if he wanted to fund his ministry that way, he could have kept doing the coin and the fish thing. But he didn't. And he used God's people. I think what I take away from this verse is especially women support Jesus. There better be some raised eyebrows and shaking heads right now. That was a joke. God's people, his followers, this passage is highlighting in particular that there were a group of faithful women, awesome Jesus-following women, who God had given means that enabled Jesus' earthly ministry by supporting him financially. But that's a call for all believers. So where do we give our money to to support ministry? Jesus' ministry was financially supported. We see throughout the book of Acts in the scriptures several times where Paul is talking about how a church can give money to support another group of Christians or how a church can send money to Paul to support Paul's ministry. So we see that frequently. Then in 1 Corinthians 9, this will be on the screen as well, it says, in the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And people in ministry, missionaries, pastors, people that, that, that devote their lives to proclaiming the good news of Jesus ought to be able to make their living by the gospel. We see this in numerous places in the New Testament. Here's one more, 1 Timothy 5. Let the elders, church leaders, pastor shepherds who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Didn't I say this could be awkward for me? But it's not because it's God talking, not me. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages. So when we give to a local church, when God calls us to share our resources, yes, our time, yes, our energy, yes, our spiritual gifts, but also very specifically in this case and in many places in Scripture, when God calls us to share the financial uh, means that he has given to us, when he calls us to share those things, uh, we share that with a local church, and uh, there's a lot going on there, right? As we share with a local church, the local church helps us support other believers who are in need, helps us uh, provide for the needy in our community. Uh, it certainly, as the verses we just read, it certainly, uh, by giving to our local church, certainly goes to enable full-time people to 
continue their labors in proclaiming the gospel and in shepherding and pastoring and leading you. Uh, anything that you see that goes on on our campus and our ministries and our events, all of it is supported by God, our generous God, through your generous giving. Our church family does not have another source of income. Well, the government doesn't give us money. We don't have grants. We don't, uh, you know, so, so God provides for what he wants to do in and through Faith Church. He provides through you. And, uh, and, 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 you know, God had us come to this topic on this day, and it's not a coincidence. This, this series has been planned for months. I've known for months and months that different passages would fall on certain Sundays. And here we are at the beginning of 2023, where we know as a church family, if you've been around for, in recent weeks, we've just taken on um, a significant effort to meet the 2023 budget. The things that our church has been through in the last couple of years and that the world has been through with the pandemic and all that, and it's been difficult and churches are changing and, and there's less people and there's therefore less money and we've done diligently to reduce our budget every year and try to bring down our budget to meet our giving. And now we find ourselves as a church family coming before God with trust that he uh, can, can take care of things quite easily. Can't he? Yeah, we know he can. And uh, so that's where we find ourselves this year as we uh, endeavor to meet our 2023 budget. So it's not, um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel the need to be defensive. I don't. But I, but I do want to clear up misconceptions. It's not about the church desperately uh, wanting to take your money. It's, it's not uh, that church leaders want to just do nothing but talk about money. It's teaching what the Bible says. And here's what's going to happen this morning, uh, friends, is we're talking, hopefully you'll see that we're sharing things from the Bible, and then it's going to be between you and the Lord. Just like every other topic of spiritual growth, just like we learn to submit our lives and trust God in every other area of life, we want to know what God's Word says, and then, and then I'm expecting that God, by His Holy Spirit, through His teaching, is going to work in your life. It's going to be between you and God. I don't know the details of who gives what, just so you know. I don't know. And in case you're not sure, Faith Church does not go looking and checking and whacking knuckles with a ruler. Uh, we don't force. We don't enforce. We don't check records. Uh, I don't know what you give. This is a topic that's between you and God. So um, we teach what the Bible says. We encourage you to grow in your faith. We encourage you to live out the ways of Jesus. And um, that'll be for how God works in your life. But, I, but we know that all believers in a church family are to contribute to the needs of the family. Uh, for those that are official members, this is one of the ways that you specifically indicated your commitment to this church family would be through uh, supporting with financial resources, in addition to giving, uh, serving and using your time and energy and spiritual gifts to serve and make ministry possible, in addition to your commitment to attend and be part and be connected with other people, and in, in addition to your commitment to support leadership and, and follow God's direction for your lives through the direction of this church. Those are things that our official members have uh, learned about and saw in, saw in the scriptures and committed to. Uh, but the financial well-being of our church family is something that all of us followers of Jesus 
uh, can, can help with. If you are not a follower of Jesus this morning, welcome. We're stoked you're here. And if you're, a follow, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, uh, this is, I'm not speaking to you. You are not expected to give of your money to this local church. This is a church, a gathering of, of believers in Jesus who want to become increasingly like Jesus and want to honor him by studying and obeying his word. And so that's um, where these things are being directed to. So, that, so that's the first thing. Where do we give our money? Who do we give our money to? When we give our money to the local church, that's, those are the kinds of reasons. To support those who proclaim the gospel so that the church can meet the needs of the needy, uh, so that ministries can be funded, so that practical needs can be met, etc. Now the other thing I said we wanted to talk about is how do we give? What should be true of our hearts? What should be true of our hearts uh, when we give? How, how does God want to move us to give, to make decisions about where our finances go and how much. Let's look on the screen at 2 Corinthians 9.6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. There's just a principle of generosity there. We have a very, very generous God who, who has given his all, his love, his son sacrificed his son for us. We have a God whose love is generous. And so then we have this principle that we can live out too, that as we give of our time, energy, resources, spiritual gifts, as we invest generously, um, we receive generously. And so th this is incredible, church family. Money is an interesting one. Money it, it has great potential for kingdom fruitfulness. God has, God can do incredible things through you trusting him and, and through your use of your finances. God, there's incredible potential impact for Jesus in the kingdom. Does that make sense? That's, this would be awesome. As we learn to grow in Jesus and trust him with our finances and as he directs our giving, there is great potential for kingdom impact, for lives to be changed, for people to meet Jesus because of the way we honor him with the use of our money. And then on the same, kind of the flip side of the same coin, money has a potential too of being uh, a really tricky obstacle to our spiritual growth. As we cling to it for self as we don't trust God to provide our needs, as we want to manipulate what our money does or doesn't do, there, there's potential there. There's a, there's a potential for it to be an obstacle for our spiritual growth. And then we keep going on the screen. Verse 7, Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's so many little... Um, principles here from God's word. Let me try to just quickly highlight a couple. As you look at that first part of verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. I love that there's an intentionality there, and we see this elsewhere in scripture too, as you have decided, as you have put some thought into it. It isn't just Oh, what's in my I got a couple of, uh, you know, I got a couple of dollar bills in my pocket. It's it's there's some thought there's some decision, there's some prayerful consideration between you and the Lord of what is it that he, God wants you to give. 
Then it says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, not, not being forced to, no one holding it over your head, no one looking over your shoulder as you write the check. That's not the way we roll around here. This is something that God wants you to do, not uh, by force or under compulsion, but willingly. It's an overflow. It's a ble- you're, you're feeling blessed and loved and cared for by a generous God. And so your giving kind of comes from that, an excited overflow of what God's doing in your life. And then it says, God loves a cheerful giver. Again, uh, God isn't a grumpy God watching you write your check or watching you go to the giving box on the back wall and, and, and frowning and, 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 and you don't have to worry about what he, you know, is he thinking, did I give enough? Did I give too much? It's not the point. A cheerful giver is someone that's excited about God's work in their life, someone that's excited about the way that God is at work in this church family and believes in the ministry of what God is doing here and says, I, I want to be a part of that. I, I want to honor God with my finances and I want to support that. Look with me on the screen at Luke 21. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And then he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, This poor widow has put in more than the rest of them. For all of them contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. What's the principle here? The principle is not literally that you need to give every amount of money that you have to live on. The point of the story of Jesus is the contrast here between those that gave out of their abundance. It was really easy to give out of abundance. Those that are wealthy and are overflowing with money, it's really easy to give. There's not much sacrifice. But when the woman gave these two copper coins that were the lowest denomination of money, she was giving all that she had, and so it was a much bigger sacrifice for her. It's why as God invites you to give financially to this church family or to other good causes, it's why equal gifts isn't the point. Not all of you are supposed to give the same amount. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. It's, it frank, it's frankly, does this hurt a bit? If it's easy to give, then you have an abundance. Then you have more than you need. And so it's just easy to give, but there, there's, a, there's a little bit of sacrificial pain here where this woman sought God's direction on how to, how to give, and she didn't give an equal gift in terms of the amount of money, but she gave a greater gift in terms of the sacrifice it cost her. And then one more scripture we'll look at on the screen. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so also are you to do. Look at the principles here. On the first day of every week, I love the intentionality again. See, it's giving isn't just something flippant that kind of, if, if you have any money left over, I didn't really think about how much I was supposed to give. So I'm just, here's whatever. It's On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, I'm going to come and receive this collection that you're giving for ministry or to these other needy believers, and I'm going to take it to them. But instead of just needing to collect the money all of a sudden on the spur of the moment when I get there, have some intentionality about it. Be thoughtful. 
set it aside. I like that it says the first day of every week because in the Old Testament, we get the idea of first fruits or when you bring in your harvest, instead of seeing if you have anything left over at the end of selling your harvest, maybe then I'll give it to God. The idea of first fruits is I, I, I harvest, I receive my income, and, and my first fruits, my, my first portion on the first day of the week, I'm going to set aside some from God, for God. Can we, I've been here, I've been here, I've, I've wrestled with this very thing. Can we receive our income from God's hand knowing that all we have is from him? And then can we set aside first what, we're, what we want to give to God? Can we set aside first what God directs us to give to his causes? Can we set it aside first and then trust that we'll have what we need for the rest of the month or the paycheck? Or, are you with me? That's a challenging question. And in our practicality, we want to save it. We want to hold on to it. We want to make sure there's going to be some at the end. But the principle here is on the first day of every week, set some aside. And then here's the last, and then, and then uh, let me make sure I didn't skip something. Okay, and then let's go to the next, the very next two verses. It continues this way, and this is something I hope that you'll um, be glad to hear. Look at these very next two verses. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry the gift. So now listen, he's talking about the security of this money. He's going to take up this collection, and he's going to take their money, their hard-earned money, to this need. But he says, here's how I'm going to get that money over to them. I'm going to, um, I'll send it with people that you accredit. You tell me who you trust. And they're going to carry the money. And then he says, if it's, it seems advisable that I should go, then they will accompany me. So I love these kind of security principles. There's multiple people in charge of the money. There's people that are trusted in charge of the money. And so just kind of similar to those verses, I want you to know that when you give your hard-earned money, when you entrust what God has given you to Faith Church, you can trust that it is handled in a very careful way with multiple people, multiple sets of eyes, with checks and balances in place so that they're us doing our best so that there will never be any kind of questionable financial practices, anything that could bring you to concern, anything that would have you wonder if your money that, you, that God directed you to give went where it was supposed to go. Does that make sense? That's why our books are open. That's why the congregation approves our budget. All the money that God brings into Faith Church uh, goes out in a fashion that is approved by you, the people of our church family. And, uh, and we want you to know that in between, as your money is received and, and until it goes out to those needs and causes and good purposes that God has, it is well cared for uh, with lots of accountability, with good financial practices, because we want you to be able to trust that your money goes to where God, um, where, where you intended it to go. All right. You track it with me? I'm almost done, I promise. <laughs> so those were a couple things um, we wanted to cover, is where do we give our money, who does it go to, and then how do we do it, what's our heart posture, what kinds of things do we see in Scripture that, that 
tell us how to give our money, and those are some. Those are some of many. There's lots that you can study on your own if you want. Um, we've covered who to give it to, how to give it, and then I, I think I just want to make quick mention of this one. With what money? If you feel, in, you know, it, 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 hopefully today you feel a little better understanding of where God would want you to give and support ministry and those that proclaim the gospel and support the local church. And hopefully you've now been reminded of cheerful and generous and sacrificial. But, but I know some, for some it's a struggle of, yeah, but with what money? If, if I don't feel like I have any money, if I don't know where my money goes each week, each month, if I don't know uh, how to budget or how to handle finances, or, uh, then, then what am I going to have left to give? And, and that's why we're on one of the reasons that we're offering this practical tool of the Financial Peace University class is because we know it doesn't come naturally to everybody. We know that it's a stressful point in many marriages. We know that uh, families can struggle with how to handle finances and do I have a budget and what do I do with my money and how am I going to make sure I pay my bills even as I'm generous with God and his church. I love about the Financial Peace um, University stuff that, that all along the way of learning to handle our finances, there's encouragement to honor God with our finances, that, that we get our finances under control or learn how to manage them so that we can be generous back to God, so that we can be generous to God's people and the needy in our community. So that's the motivation of getting these practical tools of understanding our personal finances is so that we can then um, live out Jesus' ways of finances. So let's just end where we started. Um, let's just uh, end where we started. So by the way, so you know, you already heard from Pastor Matt with that Financial Peace University. He and Ashley will be in the lobby. Talk to them afterward. The class starts this Tuesday. It's not too late to sign up. We'd love to help that, uh, make that class possible for you. Uh, in fact, we have uh, a donor who has agreed to cover uh, a person or two. If you're not able to pay the fee to be in the class, uh, that may be an option as well. So don't let uh, the fee for the class stop you from considering Financial Peace University. Let's end where we started. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Here's where, let's get back to the heart. We talked about a lot of practical stuff. We talked about a lot of scriptures where God shows us what to do with our money. But here in the Sermon on the Mount, here in Matthew chapter 6, what did God want us to hear this morning? Beware of practicing your righteousness. Beware of being religious. Beware of, of obeying God if it's only so that you can be seen by other people for then you will have no reward from your Father is in heaven. Church family, the gospel is the spectacular good news that we are not left in sin and death, but that God purposes to rescue us and take us out of sin and death and transfer us into the kingdom of Jesus. Because where we were stuck in our, our sin and our rebellion against God, he has sent Jesus to live and die and be raised again so that we can go from dark to light, from death to life, from sin to forgiveness. This is spectacular good news. And so then we want to live out these, we want to live out our, our, our thankfulness to God as we respond uh, to the good news of what Jesus has done. You don't, church family, you don't have to respond out of guilt, 
okay, well, this is what Jesus did, so I guess I should obey. I guess I should give. Maybe I should think about praying. It isn't that. It's this is spectacular news of being taken out of doom to hell to eternity with God. This is, this is life in the kingdom of one for myself and what's convenient to me to transfer to the kingdom of life, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom that changes my life now and changes my life forever. And so as I respond to the good news of the gospel, I don't respond out of guilt or obligation or thinking I should try to earn God's love. I respond in faith and in thankfulness. And it's in faith I, I, I give to the needy. In faith, I lift up my prayers. In faith, I fast. In faith, I go to the scriptures. Because uh, not, not so that other people can see and be impressed, not so that I can build myself up in the eyes of human beings around me. But, but we do those things. We respond in faith. We give to the needy in faith because we're showing that we trust God in every area of our life. Not to give ourselves credit, but to make sure that Jesus gets all the glory. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your patience with me this morning, taking lots of time. Thank you for my church family who, who I love and who are here this morning, um, determined and dedicated to hear from you, even when being other places would be easier, even when sometimes when other places would be more convenient even when life's difficulties are stacked up against us. God, I thank you for my church family, those that are here in person, those that are watching online, who have um, carved out priority in life to hear from you, to study your word, to be with brothers and sisters in Christ. So God, as I, as I thank you for their faithfulness and for their sacrifice of being here and for their commitment to you, would you bless them? Would you encourage them this morning? God, I pray that my church family would just know your presence with them always and that they would experience the love that you have for them this morning. God, would you, give our, would you help our, our lives to give us perspective? Would you help us to get out of kingdom of one and what's good for us and what my selfish desires are? And would the joys of life and the pains of life remind us of what's important, of who's important, of who we are to live for? Father, teach us to express our faith, not in hypocritical ways, not to impress other people, but teach us to express our faith, knowing that you see us, that you know us, and that you love us. We lift our eyes to you now. We lift our voices to you now. We give our gifts to you. All out of thankfulness for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.